What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We're back here in action towards the, man, we're in the final third of July. This year is flying by, summer's flying by, going by a little too fast. Uh, we haven't put out too much content over the last couple weeks. I've been traveling, a little, little stuff going on, but... We should be uh, cranking out some episodes here as we move into the final month of the summer. Um, I'm very excited for what we have on the horizon. Most recently, uh, we had a great episode with a cast member of The Traders. His name is Michael Davidson. He's quite the character, and man, does that guy have an amazing life story. If you guys are interested in the traders, which I'm sure many of you are that are watching today and you missed that episode, go back and check that one out. And similarly, next week, we're going to have a guest on from the traders as well. Uh, so very excited about that. And we'll also be pushing out some other content, probably have something out a little bit before the trade deadline, talking some baseball. And then I'm also going to have uh, Jessica McCain France from the real world Portland and the challenge and now the uh, baseball wife her husband JP France is crushing it for the Astros so we're going to catch up with her we had an episode with her a year ago uh, at this time so make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita show here on YouTube Spotify Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcast, go ahead, hit subscribe, and turn on notifications so you don't miss out on the fun content that we have coming soon. And at this time, I'd like to bring in our guest for today. Uh, he competed on The Traders, which I alluded to earlier, a hit show that aired earlier this year on Peacock. It was season one, a little experimental, uh, very fun show that just dropped entirely as a binge. And this show actually just got nominated for an Emmy Award for the best casting for a reality TV program. He was a big reason why. We welcome in Robert Bam Nieves. Welcome to the show. What's up, Jack? Uh, congratulations on the Emmy nom. I know that was you put in a lot of work for that one. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's definitely a, a blessing uh, to be a part of a a pretty wicked cast of, you know, people with different walks of life. I mean, you had one um, last week with Kentucky um, who, you know, probably gave us all the bubble guts of how, how much we were laughing with that guy. <laughs> um, but it was, it was definitely a once in a lifetime experience um, um, being in, you know, a castle with 19 other people you knew nothing about. So, um, like I said, though, I mean, you got so much airtime that you were a big part of why this thing got nominated, right? Yeah, yeah, big time, <laughs> <laughs> big time. Yep, so much. I was, I was definitely the, the head. You know, um, in in real life, I'm definitely you know the the loud the loud one, the fun one, um, and then when you're in a castle of nineteen with zero power. You try to be a fly in a wall a little bit, uh, but also, you know, I did talk a lot more than what was perceived. It's just um, it didn't fit the narrative at the time. But, um, you know, again, I, I, I wouldn't change anything. Um, uh, you know, I probably would have made my first move a little sooner, um, you know, who I anticipated was. I think that probably would have helped me. But 
it is what it is. It is what it is. We'll get into it today. I like to bust Bam's chops. He does it to me too. We had a fun time hanging out a few weeks ago, and he had, town. Yeah, he brought his business to Chicago. Got breakfast down in River North. Was a great time. Um, but even though I give him a hard time, I do have a lot of good things to say about Bam that I want to repeat from other cast members that he competed with um, that back up what Bam was talking about. So first of all, Bam, uh, as I mentioned. Next week, we're going to have a cast member from the Traders. Uh, this is someone who's not been on this show before, was a, was a fellow civilian. Do you want to guess who we're having on? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, my so-called brother, maybe? No, not your brother. Interesting. Sister. Uh, someone who spoke very well of you. Uh, Amanda? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not Amanda... Nur well, she's a nurse. I mean, how can you not love nurses? Amanda is like, we've talked a little bit privately. Her life story is like Michael's. It's just insane. It's crazy. Yep. Um, so it'll be fun to sink our teeth into that. But what she had told me, I want to, I'll repeat a few things that I had heard from, from other cast members is one thing is she said that she thought you really got a raw deal. Obviously you were only on a few episodes, but she said that had things shaken out just a little bit differently, she thinks you would have been a big time like fan favorite that the girls that watch the show would fall in love with, like your big time <laughs> sweetheart, great. Oh, my wife would have loved that. <laughs> 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 no, it was uh, behind the scenes. Like you know, I grew up with a ton of sisters, and and I obviously have an older brother, so. Um, significantly older um you know I, my oldest brother is 13 14 years older so i and i have a ton of nieces and nephews so like i have a a pretty wide range of being able to just adapt and 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 build rapport with all all sorts of age groups whether it's older younger or around my age because you know um as the saying goes i think i told you this you know um you can't judge others unless your own hands are clean and, you know, unless we're Jesus, all our hands are, are, yeah. are dirty. So it's, you know, I just try to hear people's stories because everyone has a unique story of their own. And, um, and it, was, it, was, it was a hell of a time to, to really connect with everyone in that castle. Yeah. And speaking of sisters, my sister, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick, she said, Bam, she told me this, uh, that Bam is very, very smart. And that's why you went out as early as you did. Yeah, I was, uh, I, well, I'm a VP, right? In my current company, I'm in the process of building a sports agency. And I'm just very, I mean, my mom is a, a, a retired correction officer. So I'm, I'm very, I, I listen more than I, I speak when it talks about gameplay. And, uh, and I was on to traders very early. I just didn't display it yet um, because it's a game where you need numbers. Um, and I was waiting to see who I can get the numbers from. Um, but obviously I was used as a pawn for, for another person's game who I, who I trusted and that ultimately is what burned me. I mean, it was a tough show for any faithful to win because of the way it was structured, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But Stephanie said back when we did kind of her exit interview after the show ended, she told her story and she didn't hold much back, but she said that losing you, losing Amanda, there are a couple other people that she lost early that I think she thought were those were really big moments where they lost the game where her and Rachel is they needed they needed yeah. a few more of you guys that were really on to them and in the case of Amanda 
I mean, Amanda will get a chance to tell what happened with her and why she had to leave the show, um, which is kind of mysterious, but she's got a lot to say about that, I'm certain. Um, in the case of you, you were just someone that I'm certain they found threatening. I mean, what do you know what exactly happened there? You know, uh, you know, there was a scene on there that, um, and the, you know, this was what a year and a half ago at this point, right? But um, there was a scene in there, you know, um, that wasn't displayed on camera where we all sat down with individuals. Here's the thing, like. I didn't really know too many of the, the celebrities, right? Um, uh, you know, I knew Ryan because I'm an athlete myself. Uh, I knew Cody because my dad is a big, is a huge Big Brother fan and Survivor fan. He begs me all the time, like, "Bam, you need to be on Survivor." I was like, "Dad, I can't eat bugs. <laughs> I cannot eat bugs." Which I actually so, just wait. Was he saying this when you were a kid? Like, son, I want you to grow up to be a reality TV. No, contestant. no, but like he knows. I'm just I'm. Right, like you know, like I'm just a strong believer. My mom even said, like, don't don't regret to do anything in your life. Just do it, um, and then you'll thank yourself later. So um, I'm just a strong believer, unless it's drugs, to try something at least once, right? Um, because you may surprise yourself. Like for example, I'm terrified of heights, but I went skydiving in Hawaii. And I said, Fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Right? <laughs> Coolest experience, but I was like. I was screaming like a four-year-old elementary school child, right? So um, that was like, that's like kind of my motto uh, when I get into these things. Um, uh, but to go back to where I think the game went south for me is I obviously trusted one individual. Um, um, and I always suspected him, but I was like, if we bond, there's an opportunity that they may convert me. Because day one, when I got in front of the camera, I was like, convert me into a trader. It's like, I wanted to be a trader. Um, cause I knew if I was a trader, I could win the thing. All right. Um, because a trader, you only have to worry about elimination once. Um, as opposed to a civilian or, or, or uh, a non-trader, you're always on alert, right? Yeah. So yeah. in each round, each round that you're a trader, you can only get banished but you can't get murdered. Correct. But if you're a civilian or sorry, if you're a faithful, then yep. you can get murdered or banished. It, it, the cards are not in your favor on that, right? So, but Cody, I was on Cody day one. Like, day one, um, I even told Amanda, Amanda and I had um, uh, talks off camera when we were doing our B-roll stuff. I said, listen, Cody's the traitor. I'm going to tell you why. Because I trusted Amanda. I trust Amanda. I, um, I trusted... Um, uh, Steph, like there was a, a group I was trusting, um, and then I trusted Azra. I trusted Christian because we were together in that initial group, um, and then Quentin was my my wild card that no one knew about, right? Because Quentin had a, another alliance. I was like, okay, if I can build a relationship with Quentin, he'll protect me over here. But um, with how I knew Chris, uh, I mean, how I knew Cody was uh, a traitor is because when I was buried alive um, and I won that challenge, we were in the room to, to receive the shield, right? And there was like six of us and we're debating of who's going in. Randy was in there, Christian was in there, Cody was in there. And I said to the group, I said, and this is probably what me, let's be honest. I said to the group, I said, either we all win the shield 
or none of us win the shield. So if we get that shield, don't tell each other just in case there's a traitor in this room. So at least we're protected for the next round, right? And little known fact, people don't know this, the shield was going the whole game. They didn't yeah, the shield was it from, until, I think, episode six. Yeah, the shield was a day one thing. So you, you get the shield that protects you from the beginning, right? So I said, let's all either say we all got the shield or none of us got the shield so that if there is a traitor in this room, they, they can't get us because they're, they're risking them uh, trying to banish some or trying to murder someone and that person is protected by a shield. Unfortunately, Cody won the shield because he came out and he was like, um, he was like, hey guys, I just want you guys to know I got the shield. Um, I just want the castle to know that I'm an honest person. Um, and in my head, I was like, well, we kind of all went in with a game plan and you kind of f***ed it up, right? So that was like strike one in my head. And But then he continued on and he was like, I swear, if any of you guys throw me under the bus at, a, at, at banishment, and then he catches himself. So I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, hmm, let me, uh, he's talking as if he's in someone with power, right? Because it's a silent threat. So going into the first round table where Geraldine was eliminated, I heard about Geraldine and, and Michael from Christian early on. But also, I can't, if I didn't hear it with my own ears, it didn't happen, right? That's part of the game. It's like the he said, she said, who you're going to believe. And I, I didn't hear it from my own ears, but everyone was, you know, saying Reza this, Reza that. But that, the, the reality is you, Reza was eliminated and they ran with that, that process. They ran with it. So that was back in my mind. And so the third clue that Cody gave me was he was the first to speak at the round table. He's like, hey, so, you know, it's obvious the two names that came to mind were, you know, Michael and Geraldine. So that was like, all right, I'm on to you, but I'm not going to throw you under the bus this, you know, this round table. Because these two names are here. I knew in my heart, I knew Geraldine and Michael were not. I have a brother with, you know, mental illness myself um, who suffers from PTSD. So... You know, and, and to that point, something that the show did not make any mention of is that Michael is a survivor of childhood trauma. Both of his parents sure. were murdered when he was four years old and it's in their sleep. Yep. So that's what you're alluding to, by the way. Yeah, like we knew of his story. So like you have to be an evil person, right? To like make that shit up, right? Because there's, there's a, uh, yeah, you're there to win money, but there, you're also there to be human, right? and show empathy and, and all those things. So he pulled the string in my heart. So I was like, all right, I can't, I can't vote him off here. I felt, you know, I felt sad and I didn't hear the end of it from my uh, Latin sisters that I voted <laughs> one of my own off that first week with Geraldine. And they're, you know, they're like, you're a fake Puerto Rican. You're a fake, I'm like, come on, you, you know, I'm trying to win the money. But, uh, but Geraldine is awesome. That's my girl. She's awesome. Um, my wife loves Geraldine. Um, they're both Mexican, so they talk <laughs> on Instagram. Um, so I needed to see how I was going to get enough votes to get Cody off the next time, right? Because once, once, once Geraldine was voted out and it was a no, that gave me the ammo to come up. To, I had this whole speech. I, I, had a, I had a diary. I was like, this is who I'm going for today. Um, and then that's when, that's when I got canned. So 
again, uh, it just wasn't in my favor, but that was like my strategy going into it. Had you shared any of this stuff with Christian and then Christian in the, in the, whatever they call those little gatherings of the traders, did, did he out you with that? Is that what happened? No, no, no. The, I did not share this with Christian because I always assumed that the traders was going to be um, two, two celebrities and one normal, right? I needed to, I had a feeling it, it was either Christian or Quentin that was going to be, because I wasn't a trader. I had a feeling it was going to be Christian or, or Quentin that was going to be the trader. Um, but I felt like they were on my side, like they were going to protect me regardless. I needed to figure out the numbers on the celebrity side first. So if I had Cody, then I had to figure out out of the celebrity women who who it was, right? I trusted Stephanie because I think Stephanie is a terrible liar. So I trusted (laughs) Stephanie. Um, Did she ever try to lie on traders? uh, I don't think when I – I mean, not when I was around. She didn't lie to me because it was still early on. but she's, how'd you, she, how, why'd you think she was a terrible liar? She, you could tell she comes from like a good, honest, like family. Like, yeah. like I think she would like give herself away by either like laughing or like, you know, I just don't, I don't think she has a mean bone in her body in a weird, if that, if that makes yeah. sense. Like she's a, a genuine, she's one of the person. most real people that you will sure. meet. And that's why I think she's been such a big hit on reality TV is because there are a lot of people that go on these shows and they might play up a personality or whatever, but she's just the same consistent Stephanie that she's always been. I mean, she's probably grown up a little bit since the first time she was on Survivor Palau, which is almost 20 years ago, but yeah. she's still the same. She's just ultra competitive, very honest. She's not going to sugarcoat things. <laughs> I, joke, I joke around. I joked around. I was like, man, if they made me and you a trader, we would have had a blast. Or, you know, like if they create like a challenge version of, if Peacock cre- creates a challenge, I would love to partner with her because we were freaking, we were crushing, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, I just think to your point, she's a competitor. Uh, she would have been, she's a good ally. She was an ally. Um, on my journal, the three people I was looking at was Rachel, Suri, and Brandy. Um, I think I think Kate just did, you know, her attitude was like, I don't want to be there. And I think, like, that was a good strategy for her. It was very Bravo-like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Brandy was a fa- fantastic liar. So I'm like, all right, I have to have an eye on her. Um, Rachel and Suri play competitive games, so I, I had an eye on them, but... I just didn't know them yet, but Cody was the one I was gonna was I was targeting, um, and I think once if it played out the way I, I saw it in my head gonna play out, and you know, I put on my sales tactic and convinced them, I think I would have been safe, right? Because number one, I don't think the cast would ever voted me out because they know I just took out a trader super early, but number two that would allow me to even build a closer bond with Christian. And hopefully that would have got me converted into a trader. And then from there, from there, it would have been game on. Do you have any idea of who, which of the traders, was it a collaborative effort to get you out? Or was there one person that was, you know, 
you know, people think like Chris and I are, are beefing, but the reality is I, <laughs> I live a, I live a great life. You know what I mean? I'm fortunate. God has blessed me with a, 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 an amazing family and amazing wife. Um, uh, and I've spoken with Christian he's apologized numerous times. And if he can go back, he would, he would have changed it. Cause I, I think he knows if he kept me around, we would have, we would have seriously. Yeah. We I mean, won. for him, it would have been, I think if he could probably do anything over, maybe I'll talk to him at some point, but I would think his move would have been, I would have loved to get Suri out early and then bring a couple of traders on that I could trust at the end. And we, well, one thing I money. told him, I, one thing I told him was like, if we don't get celebrities out, they're going to run the game. And that's exactly what happened, yeah. right? Because when you have a, two celebrities be the traders, they're going to keep their group. You know, the celebrities already had alliances. As new faces, we had to, like, build alliances. And it's not like, you know, we're in a house and we can connect. They separate us, right? So it's like the only time we're really ever bonding is the few minutes that we're in a car together or eating together or in the challenges. That's it. Then we're separated. So, you know, that's where the disadvantage comes. Um, but as far as, you know, to your point, that should have been the target in his mind. Let me team up with the new faces, see how we can get them out. Um, because if I was on his foot, I would have saw that there was two celebrities and, and I would have to be creative. Like, you know, we have to at least get one to balance out the trader um, demographic. What seems really interesting is I've only talked to a few of you guys who are the, I mean, I've, I've, you know, obviously I've only talked to a few of you in the cast, but I've talked to you, Amanda and Michael of the newbies, so to speak, the yeah. civilians. And I, I got the sense from the, some of the other people in the cast too. Many of you did not know who these celebrities were. They were just, Oh yeah, there's some people from reality shows. So you don't know, like someone like Michael has an idea of how dangerous Sari could be. Um, whereas if they had cast like celebrity in the sense of Dennis Rodman right, or right. people who weren't like those kind of celebrities, I'm curious how the game might have played out differently because some of the people like Rachel, Stephanie, Sari, Cody with and even like brandy like brandy played celebrity big brother and some of the other people they have a lot of experience ryan lochte played celebrity big brother a lot of these people have experience with in the sense of at least being on reality tv uh so there is a great advantage that they had over you guys with having a little bit of that but also with someone like sari she's played survivor four times she's one of the greatest players ever uh, she's someone that should not be trusted based on how well she is. I mean, it's so funny though. Cause she's so, she's so good. I remember like talking to her on this podcast the first time last year. And after like 10 minutes, I was totally under her spell. Like she has such an infectious <laughs> laugh and makes you feel so comfortable, but I'm just curious. To, I, I wonder if the game might've played out a little differently if they had either cast a lot of uh, civilians that were like Michael, who were big fans, who knew who all these people were, and maybe they would be like, "All right, we gotta, we really gotta get these guys out because they know what kind of danger those people have to their own games." Um, or if they cast instead of reality TV, TV veterans, like I said, like the Meta World Peace, Dennis Rodman, you know, former athletes. I guess Ryan Lochte would kind of fall in that category, but uh, that was my that was my bash bro. I mean. That was my guy. 
you know what I mean? On, 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 uh, traders. Like we had so much fun together. We had a ton of fun at the reunion. Um, but yeah, to your point, unless you're really, um, into reality TV like that, you didn't know, I had no clue. Um, thank goodness for Quentin as they were walking in, he gave me the rundown. I was like, all okay, right. So cool. he knew who they were. Yeah. Quentin knew who each and every one was too. Um, so I was like, all right, okay, this is what I got to look out for. You know, um, really the only, but he trusted Sari the whole game. <laughs> that's a that's a him question, right? <laughs> and, and, hey, look, trusting the wrong per- I mean trusting the right person got got him and Andy to the finish line, right? Uh, but like you said, they were in her spell and she played the game awesome. She was a she was a rock star. As I told people on the reunion, I was like, you can't blame her. She played the game, you know? Um and you know, I wish I wish I built the relationship with her, uh, um, but ultimately, you know, they sat next to her more than I did. That's how that relationship was bonded very quickly. So you mentioned the reunion show. Do you have any thoughts on how that played out? Yeah, I there was a lot more said that was actually shown. You know. Um, even myself, they, you know, we talked a lot and they kept asking me questions and, you know, uh, uh, and there were spurts of it, but uh, it was, it was very tamed, I thought, you know, for, for uh, a reunion. From what it actually was, it was worse in person. Not, not my much, there wasn't like too much drama, but um, there wasn't like, you know, Vanderpump rules over there that's going <laughs> on with the scandals, but it was it was definitely more teamed, um, and then obviously you know um, you know they they cut it of individuals they wanted to show more of, but you know I can't argue of who they cast because at the end of the day they're getting an Emmy nomination for it. So it was um, uh, I think the casting of the twenty people were were, were cool. I just w- wish the structure was slightly different in terms of like for example. Um, if you win a challenge, you should be protected, right? Um, because then it kind of changes the dynamic of the game um, because, it, you know, then it would make sense to try to get me out, right? Because I won a challenge, and from an athletic standpoint, I was one of the more athletic guys on there. So um, that I think, I think having that structure of you win a challenge and you're protected, I, I think that small variant could change the whole game. Yeah, I totally agree. Did you watch the Snake in the Grass show that Stephanie was on? Yeah, I had a second to, you know, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, uh, unfortunately, my life is chaotic. But, uh, yeah, I did. And, and how Rachel and, and Stephanie and Sari were on. And uh, Stephanie was, you know, uh, the snake, right? Yeah. And, yep. and they all said it, she was the snake. And as I pointed out, like, She's not, she's not, you know, she's not a liar. She's like such a good person. It's like, you can tell from a mile away. I think one thing I will say is she has told me that she was freaking herself out about it. Cause she knew Suri was there. So like going in, she's like, Suri's going to be able to tell that I'm lying from the very beginning. Yep. And that's what happened. So it would have been interesting to see her play in a situation where it would be pe- with people that don't know her. I do think she probably would have done better than that. Uh, she might have been able to play a little more subtle uh, instead of, you know, what she was playing. But it was so fun to watch. But the reason I bring up Snake in the Grass is I really like that 
format in terms of if you win a challenge, then you get a clue to who could this trader be or who could the snake be. Yep. And I would have liked to see those challenges, as you mentioned, carry either safety, so you have teams, and if you win that, then you're safe, um, which would also be interesting then because then you might have people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm on a team with three people who I think are all traders. Maybe I should try to tank this challenge so we yeah. can try to vote them out. Um, or if they did the clue thing in that situation, because then now Sari and Cody and Christian and eventually Ari, they would all be try maybe they would try to lose those challenges so they can't get information on who are these people. And then that gives you another tell of who these people could be. Because as it was, the only thing you could go off of was who are they murdering and how are they talking and acting. But there's and then you're in such a gigantic group of twenty people any little thing that someone does like it, we saw it a little bit with Michael. It seemed like with Michael, he just freaking out, did a couple things that made people get sketched out, but dude was just, you know, my man, my man walked around with sweaty palms the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt, I felt, I felt for him because uh, <clears throat> he was by far the most, probably the most excited to be there. Right. But you know, um, it was an internal battle. I still remember when we were getting, uh, before the buried, buried Alive challenge, they asked for volunteers, and I, I like an idiot, I raised my hand, <laughs> and Michael raised their hand, and, and <laughs> someone from the production, they looked at him, and they're like, Michael, put your hand down, put your hand down. <laughs> so I think they know he's like super claustrophobic, right? So um, once they did that, I was like, okay, what the hell did I sign myself up? <laughs> you know? So, uh, and then once, <clears throat> once we were walking to the, the, the graveyard, I was like, Damn it. I knew this was good. <laughs> well, Michael sent me a text last night, and I'm going to read this. And I don't think he'll be upset. I think he'll be happy that I read it, in all honesty. I don't think he would be unhappy that I read it. Uh, I think something that was funny that shows just how good of a person he that Bam is in real life and his work ethic and competitive nature was when he was dug up from the grave. He ran immediately and grabbed a shovel. That's yeah, the first part yeah. of what she <laughs> That's uh I just I'm just I'm just it, it, uh I think I'm just built different. Like even when we were separated or like I was like actually the first to arrive to Scotland um at a Oh, interesting. Yeah, so we all arrived at different times. <clears throat> so I was literally the first to arrive, I think even a day before the next people and in my in my room like I would like, I was reading books like Wolf of Wall Street and like uh, psychological books. Um, I was like working out uh, in my room and it just reminded me of like training days of, of football, you know? <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> even when the uh, the casting or, or not the casting, the, the producers of the show, they visit us in our rooms. They're like, bam, are you like, you're, you're, you seem okay. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm ready to ride, right? <laughs> And then uh, I remember getting buried and coming out, and uh, 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 his name is Nick. So Nick goes, "Man, like, are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Cause you know, people were freaking out in the caskets, and and he was like, you were just having the time of your life singing.'" And I was like, I looked at Nick. I was like, "Nick, they know me." And he, was like, <laughs> he was like, "You're a savage." <laughs> 
So, I mean, that's that's just, you know, just growing up with a brother that was former military, a mom that's a retired cop, um, and being the youngest, it's like you're always on survival mode. And um, But I, I'm also – I also know how, how sucky it was to be in that cast for 45 minutes. So when they got me out first, I was like, all right, who else can I help? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's part of, like, being a, a team. That's what gets me going. The second part of that text was – Thank you, Michael. <laughs> yes, thank you. And you'll be, you'll be thanking him for this next part, too, I'm sure. He says, also at the first roundtable, he, he was uh, the deciding vote between Geraldine and me. And he said, body language says a lot about a person. I have, a, I have to go with my gut. And she's over there, cool, calm, and collected. And I'm literally physically and emotionally just shaken having a complete meltdown and he chose me lol like what body language you talking about <laughs> well you know you know what they say like the silent ones are always the ones that you have to be threatened by um and i quite quite honestly i i think geraldine is like the girl version of myself does that make sense i think she's absolutely brilliant she's very smart um, and you, she's super competitive and, um, even Steph will tell you like from a athletic standpoint, like sh she'll like grab the shovel. She could do anything athletically. So I was like, all right, um, she's probably more of a threat to the game. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I went that way. Although I had a feeling that neither of them were a traitor. It's just, I had to pick one and I was less threatened by Michael. And like I said, he pulled a string in my heart that I couldn't, I couldn't morally go after. Right? I felt like they were picking on him in a sense, and I, I couldn't be a part of that. Do you think that that first vote part of it was the celebrities maintaining their numbers and picking off someone who was not a celebrity? I think Suri and Cody manipulated Christian for that because Christian was the one that spread that rumor, like a, you know. Literally, Sri, yeah, I, I mean, um, he was the one that was saying Geraldine Mike, Geraldine Mike, Geraldine Mike everywhere. So I was like, very suspicious, right? Um, that's why I didn't really share with Christian about Cody yet. Um, the only two people I talked about Cody was Amanda and Quentin. Which, I'm surprised Quentin didn't freaking put two two together when I told him, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not terribly off brand for Quentin. I mean, I'm no, just kidding. He's the man. He's we a, love you, Q. Yeah, uh, Q's the man. Because uh, at, at a reunion, I told him, I was "Like, bro, I told you, Cody," and he was like, "Bro, you know." It, he was like, "But I needed to hear you tell me the following day." But obviously, they they killed me off. Bam! You mentioned how you were on to Cody, and Steph has said that she thought Cody was a traitor from the first day because. He was acting the way that she was on Snake in the Grass. And I know Rachel has said that she was on to Cody and they even gave her kind of the soundbite of that on the show. It's really interesting, though, because it seems like he was kind of a disaster as a traitor, but the show did not present him itself as such. And you watch those first few episodes and they really make it look like Christian is the liability. But it sounds a little more considering how many people were suspicious of Cody that he was really that first kind of liability of the team. Yeah, I think the downfall was that we couldn't communicate with each other in the beginning, right? We all knew Cody, 
I didn't have the opportunity to tell Steph, hey, this is what I think if <clears throat> I think if I was which I had planned to do on the next round and I threw his name, then I think that would have sparked a lot of debate. I think that that first round table, you're feeling um, each other out. Um, he wasn't like a hot mess. You know, let me defend him on that part. Yeah. He wasn't a hot mess. Um, but uh, again, I wasn't there towards the end. So he could have been more, you know, more of a hot mess, uh, which they portrayed him on, on the screen. But in the beginning, he was just very quiet and suspicious. And I was just, you know, picking up the breadcrumbs that he was leaving behind. And um, if I was doing that, Rachel would know him better than myself, right? Because, you know, they they live in that big brother world and stuff like that. And, um, and Stephanie, again, she has a relationship with the others, so they probably had a chance to talk about it. But in terms of... of why did he last so long? I just think there wasn't an opportunity for us to talk amongst ourselves in the beginning, um, because again, we 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 were we were separated all the time. I thought it was interesting the way that they created the show, which I know that we've discussed on the <clears throat> show before. Um, I've pointed out some things that I would change, such as the challenges. Um, another thing that I think what I would have liked to see more of is if they had given you guys more of that time to spend with each other and talk game and also just show you guys developing friendships. Like how does, how does someone like Michael and Suri, like from totally different worlds, someone who's from the East coast, the, other yeah. guy, the guy who's from like Kentucky, like what, what are they like together? That'd be really fun. Cause I know that they it seemed like they had a pretty good relationship and it would have been fun to see them laughing and joking and, I mean, that's also something, though, that I think reality TV has moved away from over time. If you go back to early reality TV, the real world and Survivor, there was a greater focus on those social relationships. With this show, it would have been really interesting to see that. I think what they were kind of probably going for was they wanted to have those big explosions at, in, at the Inquisition or whatever they call that, the round table. So they want to get have people get con confrontational. But ultimately, the format of the show doesn't lend itself to be rewarding to people who are confrontational. Because, bam, had you said Cody is a traitor, and let's say let's say they don't even murder you there, yeah. okay? Let's say you make it through that round, <laughs> and you just call them out, and you're like, guys, Cody is a traitor. It's obvious. Here's why. And you get Cody out. Well, now the traders could just say, "Okay, Bam's on to us. Let's murder him." We don't, we don't, you know. So there's no like reward. Is if it'd be interesting if if there was some way that if you did correctly get someone banished who was a trader, some kind of reward for that. Like you should win some kind of safety, or you should be immune from getting for the following murdered. And then yeah. it'd be also. I also think I would have done as it was from the beginning. I don't think the the traders should murder people every single round. I know that there's a pace and you got to kind of have this TV product, but it would have been more interesting if they only can murder someone every other round or if they lose a trader, now they can't murder people for several rounds. Yep. If they lose some kind of power. There's some kind of like, so then there's a greater incentive for Christian and Sari to be like, okay, we really got to make sure we keep Cody here because if we don't, then we're going to be in big trouble. Um, instead, they could just reload. I just feel like the way that the game is designed is 
it's for the traders to get to the end and for the traders to ultimately win. Well, that's the title of the that's the title of the show, right? Traders. They don't call it faithfuls. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, you know, uh, the the scale is definitely more on their side, right? Um, and and to your point, yeah, like again, we had if I had called out Cody day one instead of Michael or Geraldine, honestly, the way that they were thinking, that probably would have saved me um, hmm. because if I was calling him out every time, they're gonna be like, we can't murder him because then it leaves a target on Cody, right? But you can't make that move until you see what their strategy is or until you see the, the atmosphere of the castle. <clears throat> if you compare it to the other ones, the UK and the Australia one, um, I don't even think those had celebrities in it, but they were a lot more aggressive, right? Um, um, because they all went in without alliances or without anyone knowing each other, right? So uh, again, every every room is going to be different. Um, so at, at you know, knowing what we know now, hell yeah, I would throw his name night one, right? But um, you know, I already felt I was a threat anyway from day one, just because. Again, I was probably one of the stronger guys in there and stuff. Like I always thought, I was like, all right, they're not going to kill me because they need a little bit of extra muscle to do some of these things, right? Wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Good job, man. <laughs> so, uh, but it was uh, it, it, it's, it, it's an interesting mind of a game for sure. Um, and the, I think the game is definitely built for the traders to, to, to win. And if, if you win as a faithful, that's even much more impressive. But part of it is freaking luck. Like like I said, you know, I was murdered to create chaos because they knew they couldn't get enough votes to get me out. Um, but then I, from my perspective, I could argue you could have murdered anyone else in that castle to create chaos. You could have mur murdered Ari. You could have murdered, you know, Quentin. You could you could murder anyone else to create chaos. But, uh, you know... Uh, Christian threw my name under, so it is what it is. <laughs> I do think it's, a, I mean, it's a tough game, all these things we talk about, and then the other thing you need is you need other faithfuls that are on the same page as you yep. and have the correct reads, and it's not, just being frank, not all of the faithfuls were on to who some of these traders were, which is why several of them may have made it as far as they did, because they didn't pose that threat but if you are scheming and you're you're correct in your assessment there's a greater likelihood of you getting booted yeah no you know who is like the low-key like amanda was low-key like yeah. she could have she could have been the sneaky winner you know Steph like, said that too actually she was very low-key she could have been the sneaky winner she was lovable um she's smart and um, and I think she was reading situations. So I think she was low key could have, could have won it. Um, if her situation was different and I won't give it away cause we'll get, we'll give her a chance to tell her story, uh, which will be a lot of fun. But Amanda is a big time character. She's really funny. She's got a lot of personality and we didn't unfortunately get to see much of it on the show cause they really kind of edited her out of the show and she'll ex <laughs> she'll explain why that is i'm sure yeah. but yeah, yeah. people remember her for red glasses <laughs> <laughs> but no she's she is very smart she's very funny she's very fun like people are gonna people will enjoy that podcast next week yeah no during the reunion she she bonded with my 
with my wife because they're both nurses. So um, that was, a, you know, that was a cool thing to see. Um, um, she's super personable, uh, down to earth. Um, and there's no mistake that, you know, her and Michael are, are best friends because, you know, they're, they're cut from the, the same cloth for sure. And they're both just such sweet people. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike, I don't even think Mike can hurt a fly. No, uh, <laughs> I really, I mean, I, I said it when he was on this show, he's another one. I think he needs a redemption arc because he is such a fun personality and yeah. like he made some good TV, no doubt, but it was a little more at his expense. Whereas I think he's a lot funnier and a lot wittier than people who watch the show might have picked up on. Yeah, it would be like uh, obviously it's not going to happen, but it would have been it would have been cool if like they just grabbed the same cast and then switched out the traders, right? Yeah. Um, now that we know each other, right? It's like um, uh, I think you would see a, a whole more uh, tactical approach to it, right? Um, so that would have been a cool adjustment, but um, obviously they're going to start with a whole brand new team. I think from what I heard, it's probably going to be majority celebrities. What do you think about the future of this franchise? Like what, if you were in production, what would you want season two to be? Would you want to go in that direction of all celebrities? Would you want to keep it at half and half? Or would you want to, you know, maybe a situation where, Hey, we get all new people. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's hard to argue because it got it got nominated for Emmy, right? Um, uh, but I think you know, I, I think future I would like to see either all celebrities or all new faces, um, just so that it's certain that there's no alliances coming in. Um, <clears throat> but you know, as far as the success, I mean, you're seeing it in different countries, different languages, and. You know, you got me reading subtitles over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, I think I think the the future for this franchise is going to be awesome. Um, It's even on different networks, if I'm not mistaken. And and who knows, maybe you'll see a couple of us again um, in later series of those that were early eliminated. Right. (laughs) So, um, you know, you see that, you know, you see that occurring in Big Brother and Survivor, I'm sure. So, um, you know, there's always opportunities down the road. Yeah, I feel like the entire marketing campaign for this show was having the quote-unquote celebrities pump it up on their social media accounts. So some of them, like Steph, it was Steph is funny because she she said it herself. Like she felt way more at home with you guys. Like she felt like more of a new person than a <laughs> celebrity. Um, so like her social media is you know probably twelve or thirteen thousand followers, which is obviously much much better than than most of us myself. yeah it's like 13 times what i have but um then you've got some of these people like brandy glanville or kyle cook or kate chastain or um gosh even rachel like they've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers so i really thought their entire marketing campaign for better or for worse was to have these people pump it up on social media so my get, I would think that they're going to replicate that and go all celebrities so they can have an even greater version of that. Personally, I would do more to promote the show than just have my cast mem- my castmates kind of pump up the show like right. let's get some ads on NBC. Let's let's do do a little more. I mean, we were watching football at the end of the season. I'm sure you saw when you're watching games on Fox, special forces had commercials every single break. You could do that with 
traders when you're watching NBC Sunday Night Football, and that would bring in an, an even greater following. But I think if they're going to kind of continue to do what they've done, which was successful, I think they'll go in that all-celebrity direction, and part of it will be because of the audience they can draw. You have a built-in yeah, audience. For a lot it. It's it's Peacock, right? So it's like <clears throat> Peacock is still fairly on the newer side competing with these major conglomerates like Netflix and HBO Max and, and Amazon Prime. So um, I think this is like a, a, t a test run essentially for them. And um, they struck, you know, the lightning in the bottle with the traders, right? And so now that they know the success of it and the reach uh, of the show, and, and I, you know, we got picked up by, you know, UK, they wanted to see our version. <clears throat> so by that happening, I think now for season two, they're like, all right, this works. Now let's do our due diligence and let's pump, pump some cash into it. Um, again, I'm not on that side, you know, that's, that's above yeah. me, but, um, you know, it, it, I think a lot of people are, were looking for the next big show, right? Um, uh, big brother has been around forever. Um, survivor, the bachelor. Um, I'm a, I'm a big circle fan on Netflix. Um, that's actually how they found me to be on. On, on this show um, was from the circle. Um, and then this is like, this game is like no other, right? It's all those comprised. Um, and then you add like the mental psyche in it uh, and different people from different backgrounds. I mean, but I can argue the the new faces is what added the, the, the cultural aspect of the show, right? Um, I'm Spanish, Geraldine's Spanish, you know, um, uh, Quentin is African-American. You had Shelby, you had Azra. So, you know, we added the, we added the juice for sure. Right. Um, uh, or we added the adobo to the white rice. You could, whatever <laughs> you want to throw into it. So do I we have any Asians on the show? Do we have any Asians? I'm going to say no. We yeah. Don't. Yeah. So that's probably, who knows? Maybe season two. Uh, but I, I'm going to say we, we definitely hit as many flags we could uh, of the United Nations on the, on the season one of the traders. Um, and I think, you know, you, the show wanted real and what you, what you brought on with the civilians were real, not saying the celebrities weren't real people. They are. Um, um, but you know, you're, you're bringing on some real, real ass down to earth folks for sure. I know that one thing that'll be interesting to see what, TV and entertainment looks like over the next nine months or so is this Hollywood writer strike could lend itself to more reality TV competition shows. They're not very expensive to create. You don't need to hire a team of writers. Um, I thought I saw something interesting. There was some reality star that posted something yesterday that was like reality TV contestants should get residuals and was kind of going on a rant. And I honestly, I, I don't think that can ever happen because reality TV is so like, let's say that reality TV stars go on strike. They'll replace you in a heartbeat, right? There are a hundred, there are thousands of people that are hungry to get on a show and not make much money doing it because yep. then they can build up their Instagram or they can, maybe they're drawn to the adventure of it, but they can build up their Instagram, their TikTok. It's a, it's a brand building thing. So it's allowed you to do that. I don't really think that reality TV contestants could ever really go on strike. I just don't think that would ever work. 
I think it. I think if they're constantly on reality TV, like for example, like Kyle has Summer House, or yeah, you know, Kate had Below Deck. Like, you know, that's their brand. That's right? a different kind that's of show. The show brand. is. It's right. like so. That would be like Jersey Shore because Jersey yep. Shore. What that show was initially supposed to be was supposed to be the real world, where each season they bring in a new group of Italian people. People fell in love with those guys, so they. Yeah, and then they just had to keep paying him more money because that became the show. So, like, in that particular instance, like, Kyle Cook, Summer House, I've never seen it, but I've heard it's a pretty popular show. I joke, I'm like, Kyle, when am I I getting the invite? (laughs) I'm like, we're the New Yorkers here. No, he was cool. Him and I texted each other not too long ago when I was in the city because he's down in the financial district, but I'll connect with him at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think that could definitely work as you could hold out for more money. But that's, I mean, you also have contracts, and that's that's a different entity than saying such as, um, I don't know. I just imagine if you've got people that are on Survivor, even the people that make a lot, who come back and get a lot in appearance fees, they could they can bring back. It's it's like sports. I mean, you right. hire cheaper, younger people. If you know, it's it's business. It happens in most businesses. Yeah, to your point, like if your if your assumption is to rotate these people out all the time, um, that makes sense. But if it's a reality TV that it's reoccurring or reappearing on these, then it makes sense because essentially you're an actor, you're just yourself, right? <laughs> your image is your brand. Your brand is is who you're portraying um, to the to the viewers, and that's what bring in the the viewership. Um, so yeah, I mean it's interesting. I, I I definitely think the, you know, I have a buddy who's a writer and, and all that stuff, and I see how it's affecting them, and it's 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 a powerful thing that's occurring, right? Um, because you know these networks do make a, a boatload of money, uh, but again, I wouldn't understand that world because that's not me. But I do portray or I do foresee a lot of these um, reality shows uh, popping up more frequently or more of us getting used for yeah. different type of shows. <clears throat> so, you know, it you know remains to be seen of what the future holds for any of us. Um, uh, you know, this is my second show doing. You know, first I was on a Netflix one. Um, that was a dating show. This one was um, sports. Uh, I love being in front of camera. It's fun to me. It reminds me of my playing days when I uh, played football. So that I'm just comfortable, right? Um, so I, I do think that there's going to be other opportunities uh, in the future. So um, let's see what happens. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I do think this kind of model that we saw in the traders and there are some other shows that have kind of taken this. I think there was a show called The Goat recently that came or it's coming out to Amazon, I think. And then there's a uh, House of Villains is another one that's on the horizon yep. who maybe we'll see someone from your cast on there. Uh, there's some leaked stuff. You guys can check it out. But I do think that a trend right now is going to be, especially as this writer's strike goes on, bringing on established faces from shows from different, like ensemble casts. So here's this person from The Bachelor. Here's this person from Survivor. And I do think that some of those people can maybe hold out and get a little more money but I don't think it's going to be a life-changing amount or the residuals thing because at the end of the day, if they say, hey, we want Corinne from The Bachelor and she says no, well, now we'll find Crystal from The Bachelor or whomever it is. 
you just keep going down. It's like, okay, this person will do it for, for that price. We can get that person. They're recognizable. Yeah, everyone has their own motive, right? It's like, what are, you know, my motive to do these shows is really for the experience. You know, like, <laughs> I think I told you this, like, I, I joked with them, uh, the camera guys, I was like, yeah, has there ever been a Puerto Rican in Scotland? Am I the first? Like, <laughs> should I buy a square foot to say, you know, you got to call me Lord Puerto Rico over here? You know? <laughs> um, so I do it for the, the experience of it. Um, some people may do it for the theme and money, but I think we could all agree, you know, reality TV's theme window is very, very small because there's a new show coming up, a new batch of people. So uh, that's why you just got to love yourself. Uh, aside from TV and when those opportunities happen, you just take advantage. So I really do it for that experience of just getting after it. Right. And, you know, doing these events and meeting new people from different walks of life. What did you think of, uh, give me your thoughts, just a little rundown of the celebrities who were, who were some of the people that you really liked and maybe some other people that you didn't really quite get to gel with as much. Oh, Oh Jack, you're trying to stir some uh, listen, I'm a good Christian boy. I loved everyone. No. Uh, I would say Ryan was my Ryan was my my boy. I mean, him and I connected from a bro level. Uh, we shot the. Sh- um, uh, I probably would never ever ever vote to him. Right, Stephanie from uh, you know on the female side that was like I I, I could tell she had a good heart. Um, and we just bonded, you know, uh, we love talking about competitions and shooting the her husband is an uh, athlete too. So like, it was like talking to, to like one of the guys at that time, right? Yeah, no, that's exact. I mean, that's that Steph, no, totally. 100%. Stephanie grew up with four older brothers. Yeah. She just knows. She's like, just cool. She's a cool chick that you want to be friends cool. with and hang out with and watch sports with. And like, that's, that's a lot of girls that I've been friends with in my life that played sports. I had that yeah. commonality with them. Yeah. That's what we miss as, as former athletes. You know, I played college ball at Syracuse university and then, you know, um, I, I miss that, 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 just that like rally that you do in the locker rooms, right? Um, and then, locker room talk. That's it. <laughs> uh, minus the Trump version of how he says it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> minus, <laughs> minus his type of locker room talk. We keep our locker room talk PG-13. Um, oh, I'm yeah. sure you did, Bam. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you did. Again, Jack, I'm a good Christian boy. Right? <laughs> I go to church on Sundays. Um, who else? Uh, Reza was super nice. Um, um, we shot the sh- a little bit, um, but he was very into his Bravo, but he was super nice to me. Um, and then who else did I, and then Kyle, Kyle and I really connected at the reunion and then partied after like, <laughs> I was like, shit, you're, you know, you're a cool ass dude. Right. So I would say, um, those are the celebrities I probably bonded with the most. The, you know, um, Kate and Brandy, I didn't really talk too much. Um, not because I was like intimidated. It's just there was never a time I could really bond other than the train ride where I was with Reza, Quentin, and Brandy. What and train ride are you talking about, Bam? So there was, <laughs> um, this is how we met everyone. They threw us on a train and gave us assigned seating, right? So, <clears throat> It was us 10 in our own seats, and we had random people, uh, name tags, and then 
they pulled up and you see the celebs. I'm like, okay, who the hell are this? This is when Quentin was right next to me. Like, oh my God, that's this, 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 this. And I saw Ryan. I was like, all right, I, I, I know one, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, so I think on that train ride is when Michael and Sari bonded. And that's what I'm saying. Part of it is luck by who you were sitting next to. Um, how I bonded with Christian is we were on the train ride platform waiting for the train. So that's, he was literally the first person I met on the show. And we were talking about the Green Bay Packers. Um, we were, you know, um, we had our bro out moments. We were talking about sports. Um, uh, him and I connected, like, I was like, all right, you're, you're going to be my day, like, you're going to be my day one, right? Uh, and this was even before we even found out who was traders or not. And it was like, we had an agreement too, like, whoever's a trader, let's just protect each other till the end. So um, we bonded even before that was determined. Uh, so like I said, I talked to Brandy a little bit because we sat and she kind of took over the conversations with how loud and boisterous of her crazy life that was happening. <laughs> and I was like, Jack, I was like, man, I could, I could scratch my eyeballs right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but Reza oh. cracked me up. So that's why I was like, he's cool. But, um, Cody, I didn't talk to Cody too much. He kind of kept me on a distance. I don't know if he was, um, again, found me. As yeah, a he might have, he might have figured out that you were onto him. Who knows? Um, so he kept me at a distance, but, uh, and then Rachel, I didn't have was a Cody chance. Like, was Cody close? Who was he close with? Was he closer with some of the girls? Cody was close to Kyle uh, and Ryan. That's That was who he was with. His bros. Um, yeah, that's who he was with for the like the majority of the time. Um, and then as with girls, he was with Jell, Angelica, because he knew Angelica because of Angelica's cousin. Yeah, Tommy Brocco Tommy. was yep. on Big Brother. I think it was 21. Let's say. Yeah, I met him. Such a trip. So funny. <laughs> He's like, cool, dude. We're actually all going to probably party at some point this summer because they're in, uh, they're at the island. Um, so they're not too far from, from me. All right, I'll see you there. Yeah, definitely <laughs> come. You got to come to New York. Um, so Cody was bonded with him. And then Amanda, like I said, who's a silent killer, was like um, – had a good alliance with Cody, so he was protecting her. All right. And then one person that you haven't mentioned in any of this is Ari. Where was Ari at in this game? Well, Ari had all the girls googly eyes. Right? <laughs> and Ari was not intimidating for the guys. You know, it's like, here's, I'm like, damn, here's this tall, pretty boy, right? And like, such a nice dude. Like, such a nice dude. So we, we just didn't see him as a threat. I talked to him for sure. Actually, we texted back and forth um, about uh, – I have to go to Phoenix at some point, so um, I'll link up with him at, um, when I go over there. But such a nice dude. Um, he was a, a good person to convert over. What? Is he a sports guy? We didn't really talk about – I have sports. no idea. What, like, I know nothing about, about him. I've seen him on TV him. twice. I'm like <laughs> He has a beautiful family. Um, young children. So that's what he talked about. He talked about real estate a little bit. Um, so that was kind of how some of our conversations happened. Um, Ari was very neutral. So no one saw him as a threat. So that's why he was like under the radar up until the end. 
where he was making some some good moves, right? Um, so that that was to his advantage. Is like he had everyone googly eyed for the bachelor that was on it, right? Yeah, definitely. All right, is there anything else about the traders you want to get your chance to tell your side of the story on, or any interesting stuff we didn't get to see that you would have liked us to see? Um, I mean, you know, I don't want to give it too much away because you're going to talk to Amanda. Um, uh, I would say the only thing that I would have loved to see more of is more of a backstory of all the new faces, right? Just so that like a lot of us come from really cool, unique backgrounds, right? Um, as I mentioned, you know, Amanda is a nurse in, in Kentucky, of, of his life story and how we ended up on the show in the first place is cool. Um, I would say that would probably be the only thing I would change. I, to be honest, I'm fine with the half civilian or half new faces and half celebrities. That, you know, um, I'm all up for a challenge with that. And as I said, you know, it clearly resonated because we're up for an Emmy. Um, and I love that whole casting team. I mean, they're, yeah. they're just, they gave us an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to see where the future of this franchise goes. Um, and Studio Lambert is doing something really, really unique um, when casting these people uh, in, Pe- in Peacock, what, what the type of shows that they're developing. Uh, I'm sure they got a lot of things in the works, but you know, I would love to see us compete uh, together at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think on one hand, for some of you guys that are new, it would have been a bit of a bummer to come in and if you were hoping to get airtime or build a brand or something, be very much overshadowed by a lot of celebrities. But at the same time, I mean, if you're wanting to, if that was your goal, if you wanted to build a brand, if you wanted to build connections, you had 10 quote unquote celebrities that you got a chance to meet and bond with and maybe form some connections with that could help open up some doors for you. So I feel like there are pros and cons to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, whatever connections or whatever opportunities got to take advantage of it. Right. Um, and my buddies joke around, they're like, damn, I was watching the show. I go take a, I go use the bathroom, I come back and you're f-ing dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they, they always about me. They talk about my blue check mark too. They're like, Oh, you got blue check mark <laughs> for a minute and 13 on screen time. So, uh, you know, I have a, a great group of friends and family members that, that keep me grounded and humble. But uh, <laughs> that's what you need, man. I got the I got the blue check mark recently as a journalist, and the first thing I heard is people, "How much did you pay for that blue yeah, check mark?" Yeah. I did not pay for that thing. I had to apply for it, and it's like you know, years and years of putting out content and now writing for different Sports Illustrated affiliated sites. And you think I bought this blue check mark? <laughs> Well, it's funny. It's like uh, I jo- I literally just had this conversation with one of my best friends. We were shooting this. Shit. I was like, I-, I was on two shows. Like, all you have to do is attach a couple articles, uh, and they decide whether you get it or not. Right? Yeah. Michael or- didn't get it. He didn't. Yeah. He all told right, so me. Yeah. He's like, I didn't. I've applied for it. <laughs> didn't get it. We're gonna we're gonna have to talk to him and somehow get. Yeah, we need to start like tweeting at Meta and be like, Meta, get our guy verified. Get Michael hashtag Get Michael verified. Well, Meta is focused on this damn Twitter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like we want. Okay, this is real appealing. Let's get Twitter with censorship. That's right. uh, really something that I I would I'm sure all of us would love is more control. That of what does we can not say. make sense. 
that that's not so we'll see i mean but i think what they said like the first week they had a 100 a 100 million new users or something no crazy chance like 100 million no way i think that, i think that's what they said i i have to yeah, i don't believe that i have to double look it but that's probably there's got to be some spin on that oh well i'll look it out i'll look for it later uh Bam, what drew you to going on this show? How'd you find out about it? How'd you get cast? Yeah, so I applied for a Netflix show called The Circle. Um, and I made it pretty far in the, the process. Like I said, I was already on one Netflix show. So I'm in this whatever cycle or whatever, you know, database. And then um, then I, I fell in love with The Circle. Uh, made it, like I said, made it pretty far. And I didn't get picked um, uh, to be on it. <clears throat> so that same cast team is like, hey, uh, we might have another opportunity here for this show. We think you you know be awesome for it. Um, and you know, that's how I ended up getting it because I was fit and I was fitting what they were looking for, right? Um, and the traders was intriguing to me because I was like, okay, a month in Scotland, never been, you know. Um, <clears throat> the the country was beautiful. Um, the food was lacking adobo. I mean, it was just salt, <laughs> salt and pepper. But uh, <laughs> uh, but like the scenery and the castle. I mean, um, I'll never forget or have you know I'll forever have those vivid images. But also, I love competing. You know, you put money in front of me, and they're like, you're gonna compete with you know 19 other people. You gotta literally kill me, or you gotta literally <laughs> murder me to get me out of the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because, you know, uh, like I said, I feel like mentally I'm, uh, it's tough to, to, to beat me in, uh, on that sense. Is there an athlete that you would like to see on the next season of the Traders? Athlete I would like to see other than The Rock. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's above the budget. No. Uh, let me see. Athlete that would be good on the Traders. Well, Aaron Hernandez would have been great. <laughs> You're going to get this whole live thing. Were you going to add Chris Benoit in there too? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to make them the faithfuls, right? <laughs> um, OJ. We need OJ in there too. OJ Frankenstein. That would be. Oh my gosh! You imagine if OJ was a faithful. How funny would that be? Listen, I think I I think the show would like if you had like one of those high major caliber at you know ex, you know Lockley was Olympic, so obviously, but like if you added like a Shack or something that oh. like a big, it would be awesome. I'm a big Shack fan. I think he's fucking hilarious. Uh, Do you think he'd be good at it? Hell yeah. I think he'd be great. I mean, you're talking about people that don't need the money, right? That they're there just to strictly play the game. Um, but I'm trying to think what, what, what other type of athletes that would be. I'd like to see actors, though. Like, actual actors. If you think about it, acting Ooh, interesting. Like, yeah. You know, they're, they're playing roles other than themselves. Now they're being themselves, right? So I would like actually like to see, like, actual actors denzel denzel or matt damon shoot 
that would be awesome. Or like an Ashton Kutcher who's like personable. And yeah. Ashton Kutcher is like the nicest guy in the world, right? He does a lot for, I think he's very involved with like what's going on with the sex trafficking and stuff like that. Actually, my wife and I want to go see that movie. Mm. Um, yeah, Sound of Freedom. Yeah, like we really want to go see that. But like he's a big advocate of, of trying to stop doing that. So imagine making him like a traitor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I think that would be awesome. Ooh. Like if you think about like, Having actors do the show, I think, would be pretty cool. That would be, oh my gosh, you gave me an idea. Like, someone should do a piece. Someone, if someone's listening, I give you permission, you can take this idea. Be funny if someone did, like, casting a season of The Traders with all actors. actors. It's like, who would you, any, obviously, it's pie in the sky. You could put anyone in it you want. But, like, I want Robert De Niro in there. I want, uh, oh my gosh, like, throw in, like, a Rob Riggle or, like, a Rob Schneider in there. Just someone. <laughs> Or um, um, what's the crazy director? Um, uh, Tarantino. Tarantino. Yeah, imagine him. <laughs> imagine him. That would be like awesome. Like quirky. Like add Tom Ford in there. Like a Tom <laughs> Ford. You know, I think I think you can get very. You can get like, you know, I think that would be a, a trip. Al Pacino. <laughs> you don't want these guys to physically get. No. <laughs> I'm not a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best there, pacino like, i can do al pacino he was uh uh doing his like throwback um uh any given sunday type of quotes oh, you know <laughs> life's just a game of inches that's it so is football <laughs> now you're football, guys <laughs> so i think that would be a cool a cool like twist to the game if you added some actors yeah i like that all right bam let's talk a little sports and a little bit of life before we get you yeah. out of here. Uh, so you mentioned you played football at Syracuse uh, up through 2010, I believe, was your last season. 2011. 2011, okay. Yes. So you played with some very talented players. Uh, of course, you played with Chandler Jones, who has become an all-pro and a stud. I think he won a Super Bowl. Was he? Did he win a Super Bowl with the Patriots, or was he out of there he before did. that? He won yeah. a Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. 20, he won the one against the Seahawks. Yep. Yeah. He won. Uh, um, his older brother, Art, who I also played with, won with Baltimore. Um, was that 20, 2012 to 2013 that yep. year? Yep. So um, I'm a Steelers fan. I okay. was not very so happy rough, about that. Rough, yeah. rough <laughs> that was the Super Bowl where the lights were turned off. And yep. I was like, what the heck? They had a squad, though. <laughs> you know, you can't. Oh, Joe Flacco, I can't believe that guy won a Super Bowl. Anquan Bolden was unbelievable in those playoffs. He caught every 50-50 ball. You know, it's... Defense was great, though. Bolden is, like, one of those low-key, like... like He should be in the Hall of Fame, I would so say. He's so underrated as a wide yeah. receiver. And then they had Ray Rice, who was in his prime, yeah. you know. Um, and then they had... Um, that defense, though, was, like, unstoppable. Like, how do you run on that defense? Yeah, defense was great. And that was a great time in the NFL because I really think the last Super Bowl when we saw defense won a championship, we used to say defense wins championships, was that Broncos team in 2015 to 2016. With, with Peyton? Yeah, because Peyton was on life support that year. He was not yeah, the Peyton. He was, I, I can't say that quote, but he was stiff. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was stiff you know what i mean well uh I, i'm surprised that he actually 
Um, but he, at that point, he was just a, a, a game manager, right? But to your point, you know, you had Bob Miller, who just was unstoppable. Um, and you saw what he was doing with the Bills until, you know, he got injured. Yeah, and they had a great secondary, too, on that team. Like, that defense was phenomenal. And then, since then, I think we've seen a shift in the rules have changed more. Uh, you really, it's a lot harder to play defense now. And everybody is running the same kind of offense that the Chiefs are running. Is this very like, it, it's very pass heavy. And honestly, I've I've like found myself in the last several years finding myself more attracted to the college game because in the college game we get a little more different styles. Uh, where the NFL, I think I'm watching a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, even Kyle. I mean, Kyle. Even in college, you'll still get the triple option, right? That like. Yeah. That doesn't work in the NFL just because of speed. But also, I mean, <clears throat> what I appreciate about college, and I mean, I was fortunate enough, I saw, like, we played against Jake Locker, like, seeing him play and um, West Virginia when they had Slayton and those guys, right? Um, Pat White. Yeah, like, that was an unreal experience. Um, who else did we play? We played against Travis Kelsey um, when he played for Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah. So – um, Shady McCoy. Okay, I got to tell you the story yes. with Shady McCoy. Okay, so in New York, you think you're the man, right? You know, I was one of the top running backs in New York State. <clears throat> you know, uh, no one cares about Texas football when you're in New York. You think you're just like the best of the best, right? So <laughs> I got invited to the Penn State Combine, right? And you know, I was definitely a, a strong for my for my age group. I think I, I ranked you know, atop of a lot of the charts there, minus the 40, because there's kids running freaking 4-3 in high school. I'm like, what the f***, right? I think I ran like a 4-6 or, or something like that. So, um, but I was heavier. I was like in my 220-something. So in front of me was Shady McCoy in high school. So I was like, who the hell is this? So he comes up. He was like, And nah, so nah. you were you were in college at this time? Or high were you school. In high this school, before, okay. This is, this was junior year of high school. Okay, gotcha. So um, this kid is like on the on the line to do the 40-yard dash, right? And this is laser. So this is like even faster than the hand clock. The hand clock, you can hit it and still be, you know, early. It's really human error on that, right? So this is laser. So I saw this kid, oof, like 4-4. Four, four. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, are you serious? He's like, I'll do that again. Oof. Four four, and I'm like, okay, like this is a different type of Swede. I saw him do the three cone drill, um, change directions. But what really got me is we were doing running backs versus linebackers, and he was literally calling out players. So one one linebacker comes out, and he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. How many stars you got? And the guy's like, I got four stars. He's like, who you commit to? And the guy's like, da -da -da -da. I think he committed Miami. He was like, get out. He's like, I want five stars or better. So the guy, guy comes out, he's like, five-star. He was like, where are you ranking linebackers? He was like, number two. He's like, all right, you're good enough. So he goes. He's like, he was like I still remember. He's like, I'm about to bust your ass. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, who the f*** is this kid, right? <laughs> when I say he busted his ass, he waxed that ass. I mean, the linebacker didn't even have a chance. He's like, I'm about to steal your – he's like, I'm about to – he's like, you're about to lose all your offers. But when he, <laughs> when he posts them up, I literally thought he broke the – he, like, left the linebacker where he was, caught the ball. So I'm the next one up. 
I look at the I look at the quarterback. I'm like, just give me a flat. <laughs> I'm looking at the linebacker. I'm like, I'm doing a flat. Just give me a flat. <laughs> I didn't even care at that point. I wasn't good because I was like, if he did that to a five star, right? They're probably gonna put another five star linebacker. I was like, I looked at the quarterback. I was like, just give me a flat. I'm good. And I just remember, uh, I just remember that tournament. I tore my hamstring, and that was like obviously I was like my first major injury and it, it happened at this combine and but that's when it hit me i was like okay i'm never going to nfl because that's a type of nfl talent right and then when you go play at those high levels like the d1s and the, the big east at that time the big east was a, a big deal we had louisville west virginia um uh university of south florida that's when they had uh what's his name uh Pierre Paul, whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. Jason yeah. Pierre Paul. Yeah. Jason Pierre Paul at one end. And then they had this other end who was actually slightly better in college, Selby, right? Um, Pierre Paul had a better uh, yeah. career in the pros. And then he also like blew his finger off with a firecracker or yeah. something. I mean, what they do, <laughs> with the, well, you got to think about you're giving you're giving children millions of dollars, right? You're literally giving children millions of dollars that didn't have money. You know, you start seeing that, like, in these locker rooms, you know, some people came from rough neighborhoods. Maybe some are even gang gang members, but you're giving them an opportunity to better themselves and take them out of that lifestyle, right? That's probably what the, you know, you see what's going on in the NBA right now. Like, it looks like there's always someone with a gun. You're seeing, you know, so when you give them these opportunities, the beauty of these sports teams is, like, that doesn't even exist in the locker room, Right. Because you, you, you form a brotherhood. That's what I miss the most. Um, but to your point, college, in my, in my um, experience, is more of a experience, right? Because you have the marching band. You have the history. I'm not saying in the, the NFL you don't have history, but NFL is solely business. You know, you still have children that love the game. NFL, they're playing the game to get, get, a, get a paycheck. So I think that's the difference you're seeing. Um, and you're still seeing people run the ball. Well, you're, what's happening in the NFL with these running backs being devalued as a former running back is bull****. Imagine the, remember the years with, like, Jerome Bettis? You know? Oh, yeah. Steelers uh, fan. Dude, I mean, Jerome, without Jerome Bettis, you guys don't get to the Super Bowl or win it. Like, people say defenses win – championship but so also does a balanced attack oh totally and i mean like even brandon jacobs i remember watching him in a preseason game the bears were playing and this is probably 09 i think they just traded for cutler and he was running all over the bears defense and it was like it was power running it was power football it was more fun to watch. I agree. I was a bigger, I was a huge, huge NFL fan up until like probably like the first 10 years of my fandom was like, you know, 2000 to 2010. And then around 2010 to 2015, I, I still enjoyed it a lot. But then ever since that, um, there hasn't been a great, great like Super Bowl. Eh, I shouldn't say that. There have been good Super Bowls, but it's a different brand of football than yep. what I loved. So there was that Broncos Super Bowl where that was the last time that a team won with defense. And then the, I think personally what may have been the greatest game that I've ever watched was that Patriots come back in the Super Bowl the next year. Yep. That was kind of like the peak for me. I think it's kind of been downhill since. 
Well, when Philly won it too, that was a good. Yeah, that was fun. That was yeah, a, that, was, that was a great game. Yeah, that was a year uh, later, I think. <clears throat> that's what uh, I think. That's you know, I like the idea that running backs need to add more more tools to their baggage with like being able to catch the ball, right? Um, they have to be more than one dimensional, right? So that that part I do appreciate, but devaluing a position that's been football forever since the Jim Brown years, right? That, that shout out to my Syracuse guy. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's ridiculous because, you know, let's be honest. We all played Madden. Our favorite button was a truck stick. The L3. <laughs> you know, like we all L3 the shit out of it. We set up and just wanted to hit the L3 button for the truck stick. Right. So um, it's, you know, having the balance attack and people are like, Oh, Kansas city won because they didn't have balance attack. No, they did. They had that six-round draft pick that they lean on to get them them yards. You know, so um, you know, not everyone has that that mean running back like the the Henrys or the Jacobs, right. you know, or the Barclays. But if you have a running game with a quarterback, it's game over. Well, what I see a lot of is it reminds me of the Warriors from a couple years ago, and now I know the like like Denver won this year and. My NBA interest has also faded, but I feel like I've been watching everyone try to do what the Warriors do, and they can't do it as well as the Warriors do. No. And that's what I think we're seeing in the NFL. We're seeing lots of teams trying to do what the Chiefs do, but they don't have that generational quarterback or the offensive. They're not running the offense the same degree as Kansas City is. So to I'm me, it's – yeah. I'm going to tell you – I'm going to tell you – let's revert back quickly to the Warriors. Sure. What I hated about the Warriors game, they were taking out the big man. Yes. Right? Hated it. Because the big man position forever, like the Shacks, is Sam like – Sam Duncan. That changed the game. Right? Because having someone that's seven feet and that athletic is – it's a miracle. It's like unbelievable. That's why the Kevin Durants are, you know um, – Dirk. Right. Like that's unbelievable. So – the Warriors played what benefited their strengths, which were all shooters. That's why when you threw a big man in the mix, you know, uh, it, it was tough for them to defend. That's why the Denver strategy of the pick and roll, like, I love it because the Joker has shown what that big man position can do. Number one, the big man position <clears> – <throat> All, all the defenders are now collapsing, and then he's becoming the facilitator. So now you're, you're growing the big man's position, right? Now that's not just turn around and dunk or turn around and do a layup or be a defender. Now the big man has to learn how to, how to distribute the ball. Joker is, is arguably one of the best passers in the league right now, right? So by bringing – he is bringing back that position, which I, I love. That's good. So maybe I'll watch some next year because I've made well, it. We're going to start seeing teams now yeah. needing to adjust the uh. roster, right? What what Golden State needs to do is find a big man or else the Joker is going to dominate them. Joel Embiid, right? That's why I, I wanted to see that Sixers-Denver matchup more than anything because I think that would have been a, a very fair matchup. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have not watched – I did not watch a single NBA game this past year. And I used to be a huge fan and uh, – but now you're making me interested in seeing where this league goes in the future. It's much also, more balanced. Yeah, and that's good. We're going to start seeing with the change of salary cap, 
um, they're, they, they change the salary cap to, to, to make sure that the teams are more even. Um, because the luxury tax, once you surpass that, you're paying a boatload of money, right? Yeah. So um, uh, what I love about the NBA now is that the, the, the teams are more even. That's um, good. The smaller yeah. cities like the Milwaukee's, um, oh. you're going to start seeing the change. NFL, Kansas City created this air attack, right, that people were trying to defend and replicate on the defensive side. So now that nickelback matters, right, those safeties that can now cover matter. Um, but they also realized that they needed a run game, you know, because how they got – how you destroy Kansas City is by slowing their game down. And by slowing the game down, you need a running back. Good stuff, Bam. Yeah, I think that – I mean, the other thing I'd like to see, and you made mention of it, and maybe we'll see it, is just I'd like to see superstars stay with the same team for most of their career. That's that. <clears throat> them ages are done. Yeah, because and that's I think that's a big problem personally because <clears throat> I've seen it in Chicago, and they didn't even they didn't like Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose did not walk as free agents. They both got traded. Since those guys have been traded, I mean, we went from. That era from when D Rose got drafted, and even before that, I mean, the Kirk Heinrich years, they were kind of resurgent after Kirk Heinrich. That used to be one of my favorite. Ben Gordon, Luol Deng, like those teams were good, and then they got they became a contender with Derrick Rose, and the city it was on fire. You watch the Bulls every single night; they were right. water cooler conversation. And ever since that era came to a close, it the Bulls have not been talked about like in the city of chicago it's cubs white Sox, bears it's those yeah, three it's um uh why you're seeing players not stick with with their team for the long hauls because there's no um loyalty on that side either you know they call it the 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 30 year you know the 30 year old drop once 30 years approaches on the athlete they're quick to dispose you for the younger guy so um, but the reality of it is that science has allowed players to play longer, right? LeBron James is approaching 40 years old. You know, Tom Brady played at Super Bowl caliber till 45, right? Um, that was not even possible back in the early 2000 or 99. So it's um, until you start seeing that commitment coming from these organizations, players ultimately are going to do what's best for them and their family. And they know it's a business at the end of the day. Chris Paul didn't even find out he was being traded. <clears throat> he was on the plane to go do an interview, and that's when he found out he was being traded. So, um, you know, what did that tell you? And Chris Paul helped, you know, change that that um, uh, atmosphere around down at Phoenix. So there's a lot of uh, the whole loyalty, you know, look at LeBron James, changed three teams, you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who I'm a big Green Bay Packer fan, just stabbed us and went to the, the dirty jets. Like who wants to go for a team that's their gang green? Like, you know, like ill, you know what I mean? And it's New Yorker, you know, you're, it's like the jets and the Mets are like the redheaded stepchild, no <laughs> you know? Uh, but you know, they're like the redheaded stepchild. So it's like, uh, there's no loyalty and that. I mean, what is the legacy, right? It's like now the legacy is finding championships. The legacy isn't being the Barry Sanders and sticking with one franchise for your whole career and potentially make the Hall of Fame. Well, I, I actually was going to bring that up because I think you can become a greater legend now. 
by zigging while everyone else is zagging, if you are that guy that becomes synonymous with an organization and is the you could be the best player for that one organization. So for instance, Edgar Martinez gets into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he gets into the Hall of Fame if he does not play his entire career with Seattle, but he is like the guy in Seattle. Right. Even Griffey, like Griffey is not to a lot of Seattle fans, it's he was great and obviously, but Edgar was oh, like the If he never got hurt, he would probably be the greatest baseball player ever. His oh. swing his swing was like Yeah. Woo. His swing was like having sex with, with a bat. Like <laughs> it was balls on bat, bro. Like it was mad it gave probably every girl in the stand an orgasm. It was like <laughs> it was pure magic. And I Everyone in our age group remembers Ken Griffey because of that swing and the pose, right? That should be the uh, the logo for the MLB is the Ken Griffey swing. Ooh, I like it. Um, I would say, though, Edgar Martinez, like that, he is kind of like the Mariners guy. Yep. And I just think in an era now when very few players, and it's happening in all sports, like – in baseball, we're seeing a little more with the trades, but honestly, I don't think it's as big of a problem in baseball because in baseball, you're one of nine guys. You only bat four times a game. So, like, you're not having as great of an impact on a game as one of five that plays both ways, offense and defense, 40 minutes of a game in the NBA. Um, but I just think in an era when so many guys are, are moving around from team to team, I mean, I went to Cleveland a couple of years ago. There was no LeBron poster anymore. Talk right. to Cleveland people. They don't – the ones I talk to, they don't love LeBron. He's not like what Michael Jordan is to the city of Chicago. Right. And I think that there is something, too, if you be that guy, even if you don't win any championships. like, And that's honestly something I'm really curious to see with what happens with Shohei Otani because I think – that could end up being a thing for him is he might just want to be an angel for his whole career. Yeah, but number one, he's young. And number two, at the end of the day, you get remembered for championships. You you really do in, in the books, right? As Michael Jordan is always considered the greatest because he won championships. Well, he won them all on the same team, though. Correct. But like um, uh, uh, Dan Marino, right? Considered one of the greatest ever. Yeah. But he won zero. Now, Tom Brady, right, won a load with the Patriots. But when did he really cement his legacy? He was with the same team forever, right? But he was sick and tired of hearing, you won because your daddy Belichick let you win, right? You'll forever be in his shadow. So he's like, that. I'm going to go <laughs> to another team. And my what his first or second year wins a championship. To me, that's what cemented him his legacy and what made him the greatest player ever. Well, I think he would have gone. I think before that, I still think he would have been seen as the greatest player ever. You think so? I think so. Yeah, I think after he won that the comeback game, that was when I started hearing that. It's like he's the greatest. You could argue. You could put Peyton Manning on that Patriots team, and they probably. Be he probably had 10 rings. You're talking about Peyton Manning who didn't have any defense ever in his life, ever. The Colts had offense. They had Edgar James, they had Marvin Harrison. They had always zero defense, right? The Patriots was always balanced on both sides of the ball, right? But <clears throat> Peyton Manning, many players even said, was like 
a magician out there. He knew what you were going to call before you even knew what you were going to call, right? And in, in sense, Tom Brady, everyone thought he was just a program player that was in the right program that, that fit his attributes. Now, by him going to Tampa, put all that to bed because Patriots haven't been able to live up to any of it, and he was able to win on a, on a team that couldn't get over the hump since, what, 2002? Yeah, it added to his it added to his legacy for sure. However, I will say we won't do the whole Peyton thing today because we'll run out of time. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, Peyton, you could argue Peyton had way better weapons than Brady did. I mean, Brady was throwing to, I mean, David Givens and Troy Brown, and he had, uh, gosh, who was that running back the first year? The, gosh, what was his name? Uh, Peyton Manning. No, 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 Brady's running back. Oh, um. It was before Corey Dillon. They had that guy. I can't even remember his name. See, like, that's the point. You know, like, Peyton had Edger and James, potential Hall of Famer. But Tom Brady had Aaron Hernandez, Gronk. He had Wes Welker. Then he had, after Wes, uh, he had Randy Moss. (laughs) But I mean, before he had Welker, who was Wes Welker before he played for Brady? Right. I mean, he's part of developing those guys and making them what they were. You can argue that for sure. Yeah. I mean, but keep in mind, they didn't have a sleeper before Brady. I mean, they had Drew Bledsoe, right? So, uh, who was a, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback. So, I, I think Brady was definitely in the right position. He's still, he's, a, he's the best ever. And I'm a huge Brett Favre fan. Um, you know, I like Favre. I'm a huge Brett Favre fan. Um, if Brett Favre just had better coaches, I think we could have won uh, one more. But, it is what it is. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers leaving us was was a prima donna move. But <laughs> Antoine Smith was the running back I was thinking of. Antoine Smith. Antoine Smith, Troy Brown, Terry Glenn, David Patton, Fred Coleman, Charles Johnson, Kevin Folk, Patrick Pass. Kevin Folk. I remember Kevin Folk. Kevin Folk was a third down back. Yep. He was like the wannabe Marshall Falk. <laughs> um, but it's like baseball, too. Baseball is trying to buy championships, right? This is the – I'm a, again, being a Yankee fan, but I remember we were the best when we had our pitchers. Andy Pettit, Andy Pettit, El Duque, David Cohn, David Wells. You know, our closer was Mariano Rivera. You know what I mean? Uh, and our hitters were just names, right? Like Paul O'Neill, Chuck Knobloch, Bernie Williams. Um, and I mean, we had Daryl Strawberry too. That was a cool, cool, cool time. But now it's like we 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 put all our money into these hitters, and then our pitchers can't close the game. It's like so frustrating. And then you want to take my money to go to these Yankee games, and you give me a, 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 a an L. So I'm like, it's been a very frustrating. Uh, I would say we started trying to buy players once we acquired a Rod and. Like, yeah, they talked about that in that Jeter doc that came out last year. How after they lost to the Red Sox in 04, I mean, they they did buy a rod before that, but there was a total reckoning where Steinbrenner was like, We have to do things my way, we're not gonna do it your way anymore. Yeah. Which was the, the championship teams that they had in the late 90s and the early 2000s, they, those guys came up, a lot of them came up through the farm system together. That's huge for team chemistry. And, I mean, if you look at the teams right now, 
who have been the teams now? There are three. I'd say there are three teams that have really established themselves at the top of the sport with sustained success, and that's the Dodgers, Astros, and Braves. And all three of them have done it through the farm system. And the Dodgers have gone out. They got Freddie Freeman. They got Mookie Betts. But um, the Dodgers so, also invest in pitching. Yeah. Well, it's they draft and develop these guys. They sign yeah. these guys from Cuba, and that's that's they do that better than anybody. And now you've got the Mets. And the Padres, the Mets uh, have the biggest payroll in the sports history right now. And I think they're five or six games below 500 as we approach the trade deadline. And the Padres have the second or third highest payroll in the sport. And they are also, and the Yankees too. Yankees have the second, those are top three payrolls. Would all miss the playoffs the season ended today. Yeah, they, 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 they get these dusty ass old players, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like, Bro, you're you're buying them past their prime. Like, you know, <laughs> invest in these farm systems and 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 make sure you pick well on these drafts because ultimately that's what creates a dynasty, right? You know, when I was naming these players in the '90s, minus like when we when we brought in Randy Johnson, like these are players that Derek Jeter. These are players we developed young and then we taught them the way, right? Um, not bring in like the, the Jason Giambis, right? And 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 try to have them fit your mold that just doesn't create a championship team. You might get one. You're seeing it with the Lakers right now, right? Like yeah. everyone expects the Lakers win every year. They they have one during the bubble. And it's like yeah. the chemistry is not there. Well, you mentioned Stephanie's husband, Kyle Kendrick, and those Phillies teams, they only won one World Series, but they did they came very close to beating you guys in the following year in 2009, the World Series, and they had sustained success for about five years where they truly had great teams. They only won one championship, and that's okay. That that happens. But the way they did it was through the farm system. Yep. Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, uh, Shane Victorino, um, and then Cole Hamels and Kyle were all prospects that came up. And then they supplemented it the way you talked about is they went out and got pitching. So they got to add on to what they had already. So they got Cliff Lee. They got Pedro at one point. They had Roy Halladay. They had, uh, gosh, Roy Oswalt. They were just picking Joe Blanton. So they went out and got those guys. So it's like you got to have a core, which was the, the you know, that infield with Howard Utley yep. and Carlos And they're Ruiz. on the cheap. You have them on the cheap. They're young. Right? Generally, yeah. So then you ex- you extend them, and then you go out and you supplement with pitching, or maybe you draft the pitching and you add some of the bats. But you can't just go out and assemble your entire team through trade and free agency. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it too now nowadays is like bringing in stars for ticket sales, jersey sales, right? That's the yeah. business aspect. Now that these TV deals are getting bigger, right? Um, so that's a big benefit of when you can bring in these Otanis. It's like the moment every, anyone will bring in that dude. I mean, that dude, he could be arguably the best baseball player ever. He could. He very, you know? I mean, he's already in that territory. Like, the dude is an ace pitcher. He's on pace to hit 60 home runs. <laughs> like, and, um, but you can tell he loves the game. He loves the game, right? He's not there for the money. That's a cultural thing, too. Like, there, you, you travel to these different countries. And they see the game different. They appreciate the the, the, the game, right? Um, 
that's why like you go to these different countries and you, you, you find some of these players, this is their ticket, right? So there's a different type of appreciation. It's not just a ball and bat or a basketball or pigskin, you know? So, um, but that's the beauty of sports. It brings, it sees no race or no color. Yeah. Right. And that's what I love about it. It's great. It brings people together. Okay. few more things here before we sign off for today's show. Uh, Bam, you have a sports agency and you also do a lot of really cool stuff within the world of sports. So I'd love for you to give a chance to, to share a little bit about what you've been doing and <laughs> some of the, I know there are at least a, one or maybe a couple guys that you've been su- helping support that are over in Africa. Yeah. So, um, as far as a sports agency, during COVID, um, I became a licensed NBA agent. Um, at the time, I didn't know uh, the nuances of uh, the NBA because I come from the football side. But being an athlete, um, you know, uh, number one, the, the, the paycheck for NBA is greater, right? <laughs> um, but the longevity of the sport, you know, the, the lifespan of, of NBA players are longer than the NFL. So... Um, that's what really gravitated me to, to, to really studying my ass off. And I ended up studying the collective bargaining agreement from front to back and I ended up passing the exam. So that, uh, doing that, um, I created a sports agency. Um, now this is really my first year trying to, uh, go to these high school games, college games and start recruiting. On the flip side of it, uh, my best friend growing up, amazing, amazing person, um, he was involved with helping bring kids over from Africa, right? And he's done a phenomenal job. He's actually the guardian of these kids. One of them ended up having to stay with me while his house was under construction. And I got to really learn their culture. Um, and that was a beautiful experience. And I've been able to build great relationships and understand the, the, the tough paths that, um, to get here. And what I've learned is how, um, how tough and corrupt the, the, the processes to help getting kids over um, to the United States the right way, the legal way, getting them I-20 visas and schools that want them. So um, uh, my best friend um, has done a phenomenal job coordinating that and facilitating that through the process and um, really looped me in um, and involved me in that. And I, I, it's been a blessing because I've really got to know these kids firsthand and what he's doing with them and really all the credits to him, right? Cause he's done a phenomenal job as really guiding them. And I'm just kind of like the fun uncle, right? Here for the ride and as a support. And if they ever do make it to that level, they can always lean on me for that, right? But as far as the, the agency uh, aspect of it, uh, I'm, I really want to create a family with it. I want it to be more boutique. Um, I want the kids to feel noticed um, because what, what happens with these larger agencies, they get lost, right? It's like you're a, a, a small fish in a large pond um, and, you know, all the focus is on the, the major superstars on the max contracts. So there's a lot of um, kids that fall um, within the cracks, but there's also so many opportunities. You have the NBA, you have basketball overseas, which is just blossoming into its own. There's different avenues. You have the G League now. Uh, and then the NIL deals, which are going on right now, which I wish I had that in my time, you know, <laughs> I, I would have to beg my parents for $20 for a pack of Keystone lights or, or <laughs> the, 
you know, <clears throat> to get uh, the pitas from Pita Pit, right? To get me high. <laughs> so um, it's been a really cool thing um, to navigate through. Um, but if I can do anything, it would be to bring awareness of how broken that system is um, to help their, these kids. There's so many kids that are talented overseas, so many. Um, but they struggle to get into the United States because um, simply uh, the embassy just does it, doesn't allow it, right? You can do things as proper as you want, get all the certification scholarships for these kids. Um, but if we can find a, a politician that understands the vision that my best friend is trying to do, I'm telling you, it, it, it would be not only a blessing, but also you're, you're, you're giving them a future, right? Uh, of God-given talent too. A lot of these kids are, are could easily be, you know, top ten basketball players uh, over here. They just don't have the avenue to get here. Um, but you see people come in the country illegally all the time, right? That's the. It's like, damn. It's like, is that the process you have to do to get in this country? We're trying to do things, you know, the right way. So um, that that has been uh, the struggle in that aspect and. You know, um, by him being able to get some of these kids over by by him using his network has been unbelievable. So um, he's done a fantastic job with them, and I'm just here to support any way I could. Is there anything that anyone who's listening and it has a heart for this now that they've heard you talk about a little bit, a way that they could get involved or anything they could do to help? Yeah, I mean, they can uh, they can reach out to me either via Instagram or or, or um, you know I have other uh, emails through, through the websites. Um, it, it, it's, we just need some either political support or even bring awareness of what's truly happening because, you know, there's so many distractions that you see on television, right. Of just nonsense too. Right. Um, but trying, trying to do the right thing is not always easy. If that was the case, everyone would try to do it, but the only way we can just, and this may sound cliche or, or basic or, you know, a, a horse of to some people, but the only way we can actually change the world is changing the trajectory of one child at a time, right? Because, you know, children are the future. And if you don't allow them to see the light, they'll forever live in the darkness. Um, that's why, you know, going to church and, and going to church on Sundays keeps us all grounded in understanding that selflessness is what what creates or what magnifies love um and and by doing that um being selfless and helping others paying it forward it becomes uh infectious right um, um so that's kind of like my approach to, to to living the life i do and why i wanted to be a part of agencies because you see pro athletes all the time go broke within their first two years right because they don't even understand, like, what do I do with a million dollars? The average person doesn't even know what to do with a million dollars, right? The idea, the American dream, what to do with that money is teach them, use that money to make money, right? Invest it, invest it, invest it. Don't go spend, uh, you know, on a $300,000 luxury car the moment you take it off the lot and loses 30% value. It's all those things that has never been taught, understand business, economics. So, you know, that, that's, those are the things when I build this agency, that's what I want to teach the athletes. Like, be smart with your money, 
you know, this is God-given talent, but he can take it away. Let's make sure that you're building generation, generational wealth. You know, uh, invest in properties, invest in stocks, invest in, you know, um, understanding that the process where your money is going. Um, and I'm here just to be that support system. So uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of my goal uh, of moving forward. And you mentioned going to church every Sunday. Is that something that has always been a part of your life? Or was there a time where you said, you know what, I need to get back to church? I'd be lying to you if I, you know, I grew up Catholic. Um, I go to a Christian church now and I, I, I still go be back and forth, you know, both Christian and Catholic. The idea is that to understand that there's something greater than us that's truly in control of our lives, right? And at the end of the day, Jackie could probably agree with this. If you always put God first, the rest, the rest will always handle itself, right? And sometimes when things aren't going your way, it's because you're not grounded, right? It's because you're being distracted because, as they say, um, the devil is a liar, right? It's their, the devil's job is always to destroy, kill, uh, and disrupt your life from always following the path of God. So why I go to, why I go to church you know, on Sundays is to, for me to understand and have that relationship because at the end of the day, I strongly believe that there's, we're all going to a place. And when we're in front of the gates, I want him to look at the sheet and I want to be on the right side of it. Right. Um, but I'll actually tell you, so I, uh, I went to Mexico city, um, after I got married, unreal experience. I think I sent you a, a, a picture, right? Yeah, you did. And, uh, I love to learn about history, especially when it comes to religion. So, uh, my wife and I visited what's called the uh, Virgen de Guadalupe, right? Have you heard of, ever heard the history of the Virgen de Guadalupe? I have not. All right. So I'll give you – I know we're running out of time. But I'll give you <laughs> a, a quick history of it. There you good, man. So the, uh, the, the Virgen de Guadalupe is the Virgin Mary, right? And back then, the Mayans and Aztecs, um, they didn't um, – um, they weren't – they used to believe in multiple gods, right? They, they didn't believe in – one God or Jesus Christ and so forth until the Spaniards came over to conquer. When that happened, the Virgin Mary appeared, um, the Virgin Mary appeared to a peasant and say, I need my church built on this hill. And the peasant's like, how, are, how am I gonna uh, manipulate or, or tell the bishop that a church needs to be here, right? She's like, tell my message. So he goes, tells the bishop and the bishop goes, why would, the Virgin Mary approached you. You're not even a believer. I'm the one, I'm the bishop. I'm the one that talks to God, right? Show me proof. So the, the peasant goes back to the hill and, and he's like, they don't believe me. Give me something that I can show them. So she's like, Here, fill your, fill your uh, cloth or your robe with these roses. Keep in mind, these roses are not even um, roses of Mexico. It's like non-existent. These are Spaniard roses. So that in Excel is an, a miracle and show the bishop these roses he'll understand so he walks down the hill and he's like bishop i have a message for you and opens up the robe, uh, opens up the robe and all these roses fall out and as the roses fall out the image of the virgin mary the vida de guadalupe appears on the robe on his robe this was the same robe that is displayed on the church 500 years later and the color is still vibrant. The color has not um, uh, went away or anything. They've actually had scientists come and try to test the, uh, the colors to see like, where is it coming from? Why hasn't it faded? Because you know, over time color fades. 
So the fact that that appeared, that image appeared out of nowhere, they ended up building this church right on the hill as described. So I actually went to visit the church. I saw this robe that was on the peasant with the image on it. And you get strictly emotional. But during that experience, when I was there, I saw a man crawling on his knees and his arms. And I was there and I asked the guy that was giving us a tour, I was like, because it was odd to me, I'd never seen that. I was like, what's going on? He's like, the reason why you see that man crawling is because she answered his prayer. Either, uh, you know, someone was terminally ill or someone was, needed to be saved. His prayer was answered. So a way to do that is uh, to, to show appreciation by crawling to the, to the, the road, uh, to the road of her image to show appreciation of it. And once that happens, you start getting emotional because you feel like the presence of, of a miracle in God. So um, it's, you know, I had so many moments in prayers that have been answered and I knew, and I think, you know, just being 35, we've all, life does this, right? Um, and the more you start leaning on big G, you know, um, the more you start appreciating that the struggles are temporary, right? Uh, and with faith, anything is, is, is um, you can overcome anything. I, and this is another conversation you and I had. And I interpret that God will never put anything in your path that you can't handle. And what I mean with that is that with, his, with your faith on him, you know, you've already lived your darkest times, right? And um, the more you lean on him, the more you can overcome any obstacle. So, uh, yes, it's safe to say that I like to talk a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely on Sundays. I ask for forgiveness for my foul language, but also um, I know that with his protection, um, you know, I'm going to have a, a very um, healthy and uh, many blessings to come for sure. Matthew nineteen twenty six. Jesus looked at them and said, "With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible." I think that's yep. what you're saying. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know what's really cool is you're talking about that experience that you had in Mexico, um, and I think that uh, something that I like about Catholicism and some of the other sects of the church that are a little different from my kind of non-denominational type of churches that I go to is the beauty of how these churches look, the sanctuaries, the, the paintings, the, um, the stained glass windows, like all that stuff. Whereas some of the non-denominational churches are, are like warehouses, you know, yeah. that's something I think is really cool about more traditional, um, sex of Christianity. Yeah. It's, uh, with that architecture tells a story, right? Even being in that first church, there's a church of nearly 500 years, it's still standing. So you're, you know, you don't have any like uh, bodies have walked through that church. It's the history of, of, of those that actually um, are believers, right? So um, to your point, but keep in mind, I go, I go to a, a Christian church also, you know, but I also go to my Catholic church of, of that same yeah. experience because at the end of the day, we're believing the same thing, right? Like Jesus is the son of God and, um, you know, and God's the father of, of all creation. So, um, you know, how we interpret the Bible, that's up to us. But ultimately, he gives us um, 
the freedom to believe what we want. You know, I, I do think that I don't want to say God is a jealous God, right? But he wants you to have the freedom to believe him because ultimately that's what's going to get us through the gates. Um, well, Exodus thirty four fourteen says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, uh, but you, you never want to, like, put these, you know, uh, titles on our own, right? But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 I went through periods of my life where I was lost, and I think I find clarity um, the more that I'm engulfed in, in my faith. Mm. Amen. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Bam. And we've hit the two hour mark, so we're going to have to sign off for today. Yeah. But I must congratulate you. You set a new record for the most use of profanity on this show. Oh, I forgot man. to tell you. May he, may he forgive me for my sins. I, <laughs> I forgot to tell you it's a PG rated show, so I'm yeah. going to have quite a bit of editing to do this afternoon. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Jack. Forget me. <laughs> You're good, at least man. you know, at least you know Bam's a savage. So yeah, I, oh, totally. Yeah, so there'll be a lot of bleeps, but the bleeps are funny. So um, we appreciate you being real and authentic. And uh, yeah, no, don't worry about it. That's on me, by the way. I should have uh, given you that warning before we got going. <laughs> Well, at least you could see uh, uh, I got a little more air, air time here than I did. On, on <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we stick around for another hour here, and then you will have spent more time on the Jack Vita show than on the Traders. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> you're 100% you're right on that one. <laughs> All right. He is Robert Bam Nieves Bam. Social media, anything you want to plug or promote before you say goodbye for today's show. Yeah, my social media is Robert underscore Bam underscore Nieves, and my uh, on Instagram on is it same on Twitter too? Yeah, no, yeah. no, Twitter's OMG, it's Bam. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Bam Sports Agency, um, that's my my Twitter tag or my um, Instagram tag. But definitely, uh, I appreciate your time, Jack. You have my digits. Hit me up whenever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do another one of these uh, probably in the football season. Talk some. It was oh, fun now, talking now, sports. Now we're talking. Now yeah. I have a lot of, a lot of shit talking during this. Yeah, time. you gotta. Oh, there we go again. I'm gonna yeah. add that one to your tally every right, time. Where we go off? Did you? Uh, are you on fantasy? I haven't played fantasy in years. Honestly, mm-hmm. I do fantasy you college have to football. That one. Yeah, I'll play. Sure, but if you got a league, I'll play. Um. I just haven't had a good league in a while. Like there was a league that I played in for like 10 years, but that league just kind of ran its course. So that I never, I haven't been in a league in probably five years or so, but I've actually done fantasy college football the last couple of years. So Interesting. Never yeah, played college. if you want to, if you want to get in on that, you can probably join that league. And then if you got a, if you got a pro league for me, I'd definitely be interested in hopping in as long as the purse isn't too large. No, the first. I don't want to take it all from you guys. <laughs> no, we have a bunch of sh- talkers in mind, so <laughs> we, we 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 make we make uh, grown men cry in my league. So <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Well, Bam, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate your time. All right, Jack. Peace out, brother. All right, y'all. That concludes our conversation today with Bam Nieves. It was a lot of fun having him on. Hopefully, you guys got to see how fun of a character and a personality he is and how good a guy he is. 
I uh, really have greatly enjoyed my friendship with him in the short amount of time since I met him. I was introduced to him. I think we got in touch uh, around the time Traders dropped. We've been we were messaging with each other for a little while, and then we met up in Chicago a month ago when he was here, and it's a lot of fun. And then, of course, he knows he's friends with Michael and Stephanie and Amanda. We'll have Amanda on here very soon. Like I said, make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Turn on those notifications so you don't miss an episode. We've got lots of good stuff coming out soon. Definitely some sports content. We'll also be speaking with Jess France, the wife of JP France, the star rookie pitcher for the Houston Astros, who we've had both of them on this show. And Jess, of course, was on the real world and four seasons of the challenge on MTV. So it's going to be fun to check in with her because her life has changed quite a bit in the past year. She's had a baby and now her husband is a major league pitcher. And it's been awesome to see how God has been answering prayer in their lives. Follow along on social media. My Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at Jack Vita show. And until our next episode, and our episodes coming next week. I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dance and lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>